0: Today, what we're going to be looking at is a break in our series in Mark's Gospel. So if you're enjoying Mark, that's good. It's on again next week. But this week, we're looking at Psalm 73, and one of my favourite psalms. Uh, So I hope you um, see just how powerful this psalm is as we're reading through it. It's good to have it in front of you, which is what I'm doing now. I'm turning it up. Psalm 73. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your word and we pray that as we look now at this passage, you would open our eyes to see your justice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a fascinating thing living in a society and a community where the majority of people are non-Christians. Uh, The majority of people in Goulburn and District live as if God doesn't exist. Um, There are many who are openly non-Christians, and then there are those who might tick a box at a census form, but live as if that made no difference to their lives. In effect, they don't follow God, nor do they recognise his word, the Bible. And sometimes I'm tempted to look at them and think, what if they're right? They appear so together, so happy, so normal and well-adjusted. And I'm not anyone special. So who am I to contend in the face of so many for God? In the face of so many successful people. Why should I follow God? It is one of those things where you, when you observe the world, it sometimes seems like there is no obvious reason to be a Christian. There's no clear differentiation between the happiness in my life or in anyone else's. What's the point then? What's the point in following God? All these kind of questions and thinkings was something that occurred to the psalmist who wrote Psalm 73. In this psalm, he looks at his society to see if there's any point in following God. So let's turn to the psalm and see what he found out. Have a look at verse 1 again. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So in these first three verses, the psalmist affirms both God's goodness and justice and recalls a time in which he doubted. And this doubting, you'll notice, is in the past tense. For we can see from these verses that the psalmist has had found reason to quell his doubt. What are they? Well, first, the psalmist tells his story. The psalmist looks out on the world and what he sees in verses 4 to 8 is that there is no struggle and good health for the wicked. Like Joseph Stalin, the wicked die peacefully of old age in their beds. Like Idi Amin and Mobutu Sesiseko, the wicked live in luxury till the end. Not for them a long and painful life. Their lives are long, but very easy. But there's more. In verses 9 to 11, the godless boast of their achievements and are believed. They say they are the winners. And people flock to them. They claim to be world champions and people hail them. These days they would post happy photos of themselves on their social media accounts and people would follow them. Indeed, their success is so great, you can see in verse 11 that they denigrate God's word. Look at verse 11. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? And it would appear to the people of their society that they're right. For if God, what God says is true, then how can they be so successful? Either God must have it wrong, or he doesn't have the power to enforce his will. So how could God know? In verse 12, the psalmist gives us a neat summary statement. Have a look again at verse 12. This is what the wicked are like, always free of care. They go on amassing wealth. It's a statement that tells us that crime does pay. The wicked do prosper. And this is not just a theory, it's observable fact. It's the way the world works. After all, why would you commit a crime if it didn't pay? So often it does. But what about the person who follows God? The psalmist looks out on his own life, and this is what he sees. Verse 13 Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I under- tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. If the wicked prosper, then the effort involved in following God is a waste of time. And what's more, following God comes with a cost. The psalmist's life is not carefree. It is not seeking to fulfill every pleasure. It's earnestly trying to please God. That's what his life involves. He is in complete contrast with the wicked. And in verse 16, you see him say that trying to understand all this troubles him deeply. You almost feel himself being weighed down by it. It's depressing. Now, I wonder, friends, if sometimes you feel this way. Do you find yourself sometimes questioning why you are a christian when you see non-christians around you and think that perhaps you they're better off than you do you find yourself asking what's the point well let's see if the psalmist finds a point have a look at verse 17 till i entered the sanctuary of god then i understood their final destiny. You see, the psalmist does come to an understanding. The penny drops when he enters the sanctuary, that is, the temple. The psalmist doesn't here uh, elucidate us, doesn't fill us in on what helped him to understand. It could be the reading and speaking of God's word that happened at the temple all the time. Or it could have been the encouragement of Fellow believers, he met with them and said, this is how I'm feeling. And they're saying, oh, but what about this in the scriptures? Or it could be some form of teaching from the priests and the Levites. We don't actually know. All we know is that it is here that he understands. And friends... It is important to gather together as Christians for it is often at those times that we see things in their proper perspective and the penny drops for us. It is when we meet together at church or in connect groups that we get the encouragement of our fellow believers. It's where we hear God's word read for us powerfully does God's Word speak just in the reading of it? And of course we can hear from trained professionals who study God's Word full time. And in our small groups we can ask the questions in our connect groups that burn within us much easier than in the bigger groups. Meeting together as Christians is important if we want to see and keep things in perspective. Because it's very easy as we live our lives to just drift with the current. To just look at how other people live and think, yeah, maybe they have got it right. Right. So the psalmist now understands, but what does he understand? Have a look at verse 18. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors? They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. God's judgment we read here is merely delayed. God will judge the wicked. God will destroy those who reject his son Jesus. Not only that, we see in verse 19 that it will be a sudden destruction and in verse 20 that they will not even be remembered. For those who are tempted to think that Rejecting God and his appointed King Jesus face no consequences. These verses tell us that they will. They're very similar in some sense to what we read earlier in our other passage in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, which says, In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. In reality, those who do not trust in Jesus live with death and judgment hanging over them. And one day the blade will fall and death and destruction will consume them. It's terribly sad. But that is only the negative side of what the psalmist understands. The positive is a lot more exciting. And there are three points in verses 21 to 26 to draw out for you. Have a look at verse 21 first of all. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant before you. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. These are wonderful verses that talk about the forgiveness of God. Even though we were, he was struggling, God was still with him. And he's with him now. God has forgiven him. And he has welcomed him back, even though he was struggling. In fact, God had never left him in all his doubts. And then verse 24, a second thing. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into glory. God is a God who gives us heaven. Not only does God forgive us, And stick with us through all our doubts and failings. But he also blesses the believer with heaven, with eternity with him. And then a third thing in verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. One of the wonderful things about being a believer in Jesus is knowing God. Such a good thing. Someone should write a book about that. Oh, that's right, they did. The believer gets God. They have a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. It is the Christian who fulfills His purpose in life. The purpose of having a relationship with the Creator, the one who made them. So what are we to learn from the psalmist, friends? Well, the message for the Christian is that no, your belief is not futile. There is absolutely a point to following Jesus, despite what we may see on Instagram or Facebook. Or whatever. There will be justice one day. And there is redemption for us. Perhaps as we next go through our bout of doubts, as we wonder about whether it's all a a big myth or or whatever, we can remember what the psalmist learnt. That there is a point in being a Christian but the psalmist also is speaking not just to the believer, but also to the non believer. For the psalmist says two things. The first is that despite appearances to the contrary, there will be a judgment. And are you ready? Are you ready to face your Maker? But the psalmist also says something else. That despite the glowing pictures on your Facebook page or Instagram page, you are actually missing out. You are missing out on forgiveness, on heaven, and on knowing God. You are actually missing out on the main part of life, a relationship with your Creator. Creator. So let me encourage you that if you're hearing this today live or or online and you're not a Christian and would like to know more, then please get in contact with us. A great place to start would be a course that allows you to look at Jesus and ask questions. If only someone were running a course like that locally. Ah, Roger's just wait yeah, thank you, Roger. Yes, we are doing that. Yes, next Sunday. It starts here at the next. And you can grab Roger and ask him. Or if you're listening online, you can send a message via the Connect cards. For like the psalmist, it's worth doing the investigative work. God never asks us to believe without providing evidence for that belief. So examine the evidence. And I am confident that you'll find out that it is worth trusting and following Jesus. For there is no one like him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you for your great mercy in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you have also provided the psalmist with evidence for his belief and through him evidence for us to believe. Thank you. Thank you for the things that he saw that helped him to overcome the doubts that he had and that we have. And we thank you that we have this model that shows us that it's not wrong to doubt and that you in your grace and mercy have provided evidence, good evidence and good reason to believe. And we pray, Heavenly Father, That you would work in us and through us. That having looked at all the evidence you have given, we would trust your son Jesus, both for our good and for your glory. Amen.